0: Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. And today we had on uh, current volunteer assistant at Holy Cross and NHL skills guy, John Lounsbury. Uh, And I'm your host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey.
1: And I'm Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And that was an awesome talk. I, I really had a, you know appreciation for what John does working with the college level and doing youth skill camps and having the opportunity to work with a lot of NHL guys. And I'm excited for the listeners to hear the part kind of towards the end where he talks about creating an environment that can foster creativity for his players and and giving them the opportunity, which is kind of a cool way to look at it, the opportunity to fail uh, in order to develop. And I think that's an important takeaway. So I'm excited for people to listen to that message along with some of the other points in here. Peter, what are you excited about? A lot. He,
0: I could talk to that guy forever, uh, and especially during this time. Just the idea, like talking hockey, is something I love to do. And he knows his stuff. And um, honestly, I, I loved a lot of different things. But he told a story about switching positions and and what that looked like, and relationship wise, and and things like that. And I I loved that story part of it, where where he talked about that, and and even when he dug into when that kid was flipping the puck in the line and, and how that changed his mindset for coaching. Like I loved. I love that, and how he's focused on relationships. And so I, I'm excited for this one. Uh, I'm definitely going to give it a few listens. Um, what do you say, coach? I say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
2: <laughs> this interview was brought to you by hockeywolf.com. Check out hockeywolf.com for all things hockey. They are a fantastic brick and mortar and online retailer. They've got everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies if you love the game of hockey you got to check out hockeywolf.com and for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there don't forget to check out hockey wolf's team sales option on their website next time your team needs helmets or gloves sticks skates jerseys go to hockeywolf.com get everything that you need so that your guys and girls are ready to hit the ice go check them out go support hockey wolf because they support us that's hoc K-E-Y-W-O-L-F dot
0: com. From Winthrop, Massachusetts, current volunteer assistant at Holy Cross, former player development skills coach for the Florida Panthers in the NHL. Let's go. While coaching at both Bridgeton Academy and the Walpole Express, Lounsey sent over 200 players into the collegiate ranks. All-time defensive scoring leader at Southern Maine, where he was also an All-American. Let's go. Played 180 pro games in the SPHL, recording 92 total points. Owner and head coach of 11 Hockey, where he trains dozens of NHL pro and college hockey players. Let's go. And owner and mastermind behind the greatest training aid in the world, Gel Sticks. John Lounsbury. Welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. How are you guys today? Doing all right. We're excited to have you on here. Thanks for coming to join us today. Uh, I'm excited. You guys have the, the wagon of
3: guys that come on here and I feel like I can sneak my way in. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay.
1: <laughs> well, we're happy to Absolutely. have you. We're just, uh, we're plugging away here and, and I'm, I'm excited to dive in and, and kind of tap into your experience a little bit. So with that, let's get right into it. Um, why don't you share a little bit about, you know, Danny, Danny mentioned a few of your stops along the way in your career, but why don't we dive into a little bit of your background in his, in, uh, history and hockey and kind of how you got into coaching.
3: Man, that's a good one. So uh, I grew up in a hockey town, a little town called Winter, Massachusetts. And for all you Miracle fans out there, I grew up next to Mike Rizzioni. So um, our, our oh. town, <laughs> our town's uh, about at the time about seventeen thousand people. It's a little over a square mile. So um, you played, you played all the sports. You played street hockey all the time. You played, you played ice hockey. Um, and I just had a passion for the sport. Um, it was what I love to do. And, and I think the great part about it, there was no pressure like there are these days. I just played, you know, then when season was over, I put my bag away and I'd play baseball or I ran track. I was a big soccer guy and, um, I got high school went well. And as I got older, I I got better. And I did a postgraduate year at a school called Bridgeton Academy. And, um, I just turned into a hockey player. Um, you know, and, and I, I was able to do some great things and, looked at a lot of different schools and found my way into to Southern Maine and uh, played under a guy named Jeff Beanie And we, we took a, a program. I, I say we, because it's my, my classmates and my teammates as well. But we took a program that was historically winning five games at the time to winning 15, 16, 17, 18 games and trying to make a national bid. So it was fun. And um, I, I loved my experience and, and I loved how, how it went for me. I was fortunate enough to, to kick around the minor leagues a little bit. And I think what was important for me there is that the economy was horrible at the time. Um, so there were no jobs to be had. So I just kept playing and seeing what I can enjoy. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I really love teaching the game and thinking about it. So it just helped me grow into kind of a coach. I've always had a coach's mindset. I never thought I would do it for a living and it just turned that way, you know?
0: For sure. There's a there's a lot there. And like you with the history that you have in our game, you've obviously uh, been around the block and and you've done a lot of things. And uh, it's interesting that you never thought you'd be a coach. And and now here here you are and you spend a lot of your time more on the skill side of things where you're you're focused on individual, I guess, skills of players. Do you want to talk a little bit about your colo coaching, philosophy, uh, and just how that translates on the ice? Like, because uh, it's obviously different than a, a head coach. And
3: yeah, it's um, it's a for me, it's the first thing that's most important. is about relationships, right? Because I could skate with ex NHL player, and I can skate with X ten year old, and if I can't make a connection with either of those guys, I'm not going to have success at what I'm doing. And, and I think that that's the first and first, most important thing because there's gotta be trust there. Cause I have to teach them, right? So if they're not believing and trusting in what I'm talking about, there's a huge disconnect. So, you know, I, I always say there's great skills, coaches, there's great development guys out there. And I think what's, what's important is you have the connection first and then you have to identify the flaws and you have to build up on, on those flaws and, and where the, where the trust part and the relationship part comes in. It's just like, You know, if you meet someone off the street and they tell you like, "Hey, you walk funny," you're going to be like, "Well, screw, buddy!" Like, I, I I walk fine, you know. And there's, you just, it's a guy you don't know, a guy you don't trust. He's just kind of picking at you, you know. So, think about being a player, a kid, and saying, "Hey, you know what? You don't do this well. You could probably do this better." And if they don't, they don't believe in what you have to say, and they don't trust you as a person. How are they going to trust you to get them better? You know. So, I think that. And, and that's what was great for me. All the coaches I played for, my prep school coach Jamie Prince and and um, and Jeff Beanie and those guys, like they, I trusted them, you know. And they could tell me whatever, and I was going to do it, and, and it, it worked, you know. So that, that was huge for me to to build those relationships early on because it's kind of made me the mentor and the coach I am today.
0: Yeah you definitely start to become like those you surround yourself with, especially I've heard a lot of even assistant coaches say like, yeah, you just become your head coach, you become your head coach. And so it's cool to see that, you know, you've worked with a ton of uh, players that play in the NHL. And the first thing you're talking about, isn't their slap shot. It isn't their uh, stride. It's about the relationship you have with them. And so when you get through that and you create that relationship with those, those NHL players, those pro hockey players, Um, and then you get down to the nitty gritty and you're on the ice with them. What, what does that kind of look like? I know I'm sure it's different for each one, but if you kind of want to walk through just a little bit about what that looks like when you're working with an NHL hockey player.
3: Yeah. Um, I try to separate my guys from defense and forwards to be honest. And if I can get the D on one and, and the forwards on the other, because it's, they're, they're focusing on their craft. Right. And they're in the NHL for a reason. They're, they're the best at what they do at their position. There's only so many positions out there. So I, I don't, you know, I think in the relationship part, it's not, it's not defining their flaws, but asking them what they feel like they need to get better at. You know, I think there's a lot of guys, again, they said they do a great job at the skill development piece, but I think there's too many people that feel that they, their way is the way. You know, and I, I don't feel that way. I, I want to make sure that when when a player goes back to play for Barry Smith in Chicago um, under his player development wing, like, they they know what's going on. They know how to fit in that scheme. They know how to, to think quickly. Uh, it, it's the same if, if a guy played for Joel Quenneville down in Florida. He's, he's a quick-thinking coach, so he wants his players to, like, be spot on. So a lot of it has to be – it might just be read and react stuff. Uh, it just – it might be simple things. But if I could make – uh, if I can take something to make it easier for a player, I'm going to do it. You know, and, and a lot of it's analogy based. We do a lot of analogy based work and helping them understand. Uh, we talk about uh, stick handling a lot and where our hand positions are being. Because because the biggest thing in the NHL is uh, you know outside of of rushes where you're going to get a lot of your attack is puck protection. You want you want time with the puck, right? So if we're not if we're not in good puck protection positions, we're going to struggle with holding on to that puck and making plays. So a lot of it is where our hands sit in our body. It's, it's, you know, I always use an analogy for people that are out there that if I have the puck on my stick and and I'm looking down at the puck, I'm looking down at the face of a clock. So in front of me is 12 o'clock. Okay, my puck protection positions, my shooting positions and my passing positions are at 10 o'clock and two o'clock. I can pass from 12 o'clock when that puck's right in front of me on that 12 o'clock handle, but I can only pass to my left and to my right and it's a parallel pass. So if I'm coming down the wing and I need to pass it over, I need to get it to two o'clock on the right wall to just either shoot it or get it across. So again, those build into puck protections positions and, and building those analogies with the player, it helps them understand, okay, this is when I can be in that. This is how I do it. Um, we work a lot off, I call it feel, you know, feel of the game and, and where, you know, cutbacks are important during game to create space for yourself. But it's like, where are they on your body? Like, why are you cutting back when he's still behind you a little bit? Why, you know, and just, so it's just teaching them little things about how they feel the game and how they can, you know, they can get away with it.
1: So when you're working with these NHL players, like what you just talked through is talking about working through some progressions and and building up some scenarios, but paying, paying attention to the detailed little things like hand placement and body, body positioning. What about on the other side, when you're working with your, your Holy cross guys, how, you know, how similar or how different is it working with an NCAA D one level versus the NHL guys? And maybe you can walk us through kind of some of that, uh, skill development philosophy you have with, with those players.
3: Yeah, I I think it's, um, I think it's a, it's a little different because you have, you have less time with, with the, as, as much as we think we have more time with our Holy cross guys, we have less because you look at an NHL guy that I'm working with, even a major junior guy or whatever I have, it's, youth, you can, you can build a progression over time and you can really build up when college hockey, you want to win. Right. And so we do, we do skill development uh, sessions in the morning and before practice. And we really just, we want our guys to, to fit best within the system that we're playing. So, you know, it's, it's uh, making sure they're, they're comfortable being uncomfortable, which is one, but, uh, but our progression is, you know, we're a, we're a team, Holy Cross is unique. And why I say it's unique is that we don't have the opportunities scholarship wise that a lot of schools have our admission standards are super high, um, like the Ivies. And it's just, so we have to be, we have to take a player sometimes early because if he plays that next year, junior, he's going to go to Providence. He's going to go to North Dakota, wherever he's going to end up going. So we have to take that guy in and we have to try to develop him as quick as possible. And it takes a little bit longer, but we, we want them to make sure that, you know, they're, they got to create space for themselves because college there's two different games, right? And I know I'm talking a lot here, but I always say to people, that's they, why
0: you're on. That's why you're yeah. on. Keep going. <laughs> they, they
3: ask, like when someone says, would you go back and play college hockey? I would say absolutely not because it's just a different game. It's yes. There's so much skill involved, but it's a, it's robotic. It's run and gun. It's it's, you play a certain way. You're, you have to go, you have to make sure you're, you're laying bodies every shift and you're being physical or the pro game is a thinking game, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't play. And I'll get into this, why I played where I played, but I I didn't play at a super high level, but you see guys from Denver and BC and BU come in and all the other guys like, Oh man, I hope I don't get cut. And I'm like, listen, they're coming to us because they're not thinking it. Right. So it's like, there's a, there's a whole progression to the game is people can be elite College players and be poor pro players, or people can be average college players and be elite pro players because they can. When they think the game, it's it's better. Your time and space is so much less in college hockey; it's not even funny. So it's for in that development phase for college players, it's we try to get quick react. It's a lot of reactionary hockey because it's you have a half a second to think if that you know.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, and I, I've actually heard that before, where even like the difference between the AHL and the NHL, it's like a jungle where you just have no time, no, no space. and um, there. Like a lot of times I've heard like this guy can play in the NHL, but he can't play in the AHL with the way, the way the game is. And I'm sure it's the same thing with college. Um, do you ever, do you, so when you do the skills side of things and practice stuff with the, with the college team, do you ever keep that in mind? Like, yes, we want to win now and we want to, there are certain things we have to do to win here but also hey we're going to work on these two things over here because one day i know you want to play pro hockey and this is going to be a little different
3: yeah i think i think it's it's always tailored to the guy that wants to play at the next level but we have a we have a great group of young men that always want to be at their best so they really love getting into this stuff so they'll ask questions and a lot of it i think i do more shooting stuff with the college guys because you have less time with the puck so if you want to produce you know, you got to get, you got to get those, those shots off. Right. So we talk about guys that, you know, we look at like, Hey, I, I, you scored, you scored four goals this year. It wasn't great, but you only took 55 shots. Why, you know, why aren't Mm -hmm. you getting into those areas? So it's just teaching them how to get themselves open, how to be prepared for these plays that are going to happen and take the most of what you're going to get,
0: you know? Absolutely. So you're a man of many stories, and I've been fortunate enough to hear a few of them. Uh, but but one that I want to talk about, and it, it it's a perfect fit because it goes back to the relationship side of things. When you when you went into college, I believe I, I think it was before you even got there, like freshman year. Your coach made a change in positions and uh, made a few promises and things that ended up working out. So if you if you want to just tell that story, and we can kind of talk about the importance of it as we go through it.
3: Yeah, it's. Um... So I went in, I got there a little late um, and I, I was at Southern Maine and we didn't have cell phones. So my dorm phone rang, right? So I'm <laughs> sitting there and my, my my little phone rang and it's coach. Hey, it's coach. Can you come up and talk to me? So I'm like going up the hill going, it's the third week of school trying to figure out like what's going on. Um, so I sat in his office and and he said, you know what, John? He said, I hope the podcast doesn't mind this. He goes, do you have balls? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? And he's like, do you, do you have balls? It's a true story. And I said, yes, coach. Like, what do you, what do you need? He goes, well, I need you to play defense. I said, what? <laughs> he said, I need you to play defense. I said, coach, n- no offense. I said, but I was probably, you know, I think at that, when I played prep school hockey, it was like a the division one kids were it was un- like Boyle, all those, it was Cushing Academy was loaded, but I was in the top like seven or eight in scoring in prep school hockey. I had a ton of goals. I did really well. I was just a late bloomer. So I was kind of under the radar. And uh, I was like, coach, I scored a lot last year and we need some offense. He's like, right, but I need defense too. Can, can you do it? Hmm. And I said, yeah. He goes, he turned around, there's a plaque on the wall. There's one other All-American in, in school history. and This guy, guy's name is Brian Cullum. And he goes, I guarantee, like Brian, by the time you graduate, you'll be an All-American. I said, okay. I said, Coach, whatever you need me to do, it's true. I said, whatever you need me to do, I'll I'll do it. But I said, I haven't played defense since I was like a mite. And he said, there's two things I don't need you to do. I don't need you to skate backwards. (laughs) I'm like, what? And he goes, I just need you to play smart. And I said, what do you mean, don't skate backwards? He goes, so if you rush the puck up the ice and you turn it over, just skate as fast as you can on the way back and catch the guy. So, um, and he made some good points. He said, you know what? Usually you have 30 points as a defenseman. You're one of three people in the country doing it. You know, and, and um, my freshman year, I, I was very fortunate in college. You have good players around me. I was like an all-conference guy for four years in a row. I was, you know, and all the accolades are really cool. And when I got the call, my senior year, I think this is important. My senior year, we were, five, we were 5-0 and to start the year. We were, we were five games in, obviously. I didn't have a point. Six games. I didn't have a point. Seven games. I got my first assist. I go in the coach's office, and he's like, what's up? And I said, I feel like I'm – like we're winning, but I'm not helping. Like I, I need to like – I'm not producing. I'm not like – there's a lot of hype about me this year, and I feel like I'm just teetering away. And he's like, it's because you're a defenseman. With a big smile on his face, and I'm like, son of a gun. Because I fought him for three years, and I was a forward. You know, I'm like, coach, I'm just a forward playing D. You know, and he's like, it's because you're a defenseman. And then I had 30 – like 33 points in the last 20 games, whatever it was. You know, and just kind of it, – it just – it was my my come to Jesus moment. where I was just like, okay, just play, just play the game of hockey,
1: you know. So for sure, I love that story. That's uh, I mean, there's a couple of takeaways there. I mean, we've been hearing from a lot of our guests the last couple of podcasts about just playing and, and letting go of the the fear and the the worry of performing and just playing and and, and succeeding that way. But what that story, what you're talking about, is is interesting to me because one, when I was in college playing, I switched the opposite. I played D my whole life, and then all of a sudden, I was a wing my senior year. So it's a little different, but similar. It was like, I was lost. And so when I took that into my coaching of youth hockey years ago, I, I kind of made a point, especially the younger ages I was coaching. I always tried to get kids familiar with different, different positions and not just locked in early on to, Hey, he's a big kid. He's got to play D or, Oh, he's really fast. He's going to play center. Um, so that, that kind of brings me to, you know, kind of a buzzword going on in, in USA Hockey right now and a few other circles is, is the the concept of of positionless hockey. So kind of two parts. I'd like to ask you kind of what that means to you and then translating it down to coaching your players or other players, like, you know, what your thoughts are and, and how to relate this concept down to the uh, younger players.
3: Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a huge buzzword and it goes on. And I think it's about... Having kids understand all of all of the positions and you know, it starts young. Like my daughter, I'll go to my daughter. She's a she's a first year mite. She's seven year old and like we were doing some little showcases and, and she, you know, the coach is like, you know, play defense, stay in front of the net. And I don't say anything and I'm she comes off the ice, I'm like, Well, why'd you stay in front of the net? She'll coach told me to play defense. I'm like, Okay, that's fair. Like, do what you gotta do, but always like be up in the play, like skate up and, and the positionist hockey thing is, is more like, let them figure out what they want to be and what they want to do. That's the way I look at it. It's like, you know, you see, like, you watch an NHL game. If you, you expect a, a 10, 11-year-old kid to watch an NHL game and there's four or five guys up in the rush, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, that's awesome. I want to do that. Now they're going back to their sport practice and they're trying to do the same thing and they're getting yelled at because they're defensive. It's, you're looking at it from two different, uh, two different objectives. And, and the positionless hockey thing for me, and everyone's got a different take or meaning on it, is just just go, play the game. We're going to make mistakes. And if I'm a defenseman and I'm down in the corner, I just hold my forwards up at, the, up at the point. And I think it's going to teach kids to learn the game more, learn how to communicate better. I'm going to take it one step outside the box is that I think if we took 10 kids right now and we gave them a football or we gave them an object and we brought them to a, like a field or an area and be like, all right, like, see ya. What do we do? we are going to play football. You're going to get whatever you're going to get right and see how they they act and go and we as as you know you guys aren't much younger than i am maybe 10 years but it's like we grew up playing street hockey and that's where we learned hockey that's what we learned to be creative that's where we learned to talk to each other and communicate and call for pucks and behind the back passes and all that stuff and it's just that's where the creativity came There's no there's no positions when you play street hockey Right. But what do you do? You back check, you play hard. Like you, you learn how to like get in fights with your buddies and then like, let it go. And that's like, it's just yeah. bringing the fun of the game back for the younger kids. Like worry about positions when you're, when you're 13 years old, you know, like that's the important thing It's like worrying about that stuff then. But like if you look at the street hockey analogy, it's just, you just go and you play. You look at three on three hockey in the NHL and overtime. What is it? There's no positions.
0: Yeah. And I love the idea of street hockey. Like, I mean, that's what I grew up playing. You, you learn other things too, like taking turns, like, no, you shot the puck out. I had to go get it last time. You go get it this time. Like once you, once you get uh, to the point where you can start ripping pucks down the, down the street, but um, yeah, you learn everything from, from street hockey. And so I think more kids need to be doing that. And hopefully now that this this virus is kind of taking over and kids can't get to the rink. Hopefully they're still getting outside and, and learning those things. Cause you're right. Um, and then on the flip side, I tell my players all the time, go watch the NHL, watch so-and-so play, watch Dowdy, how much he shoulder checks, watch this and that and that. And, and then, and then they come back to their, they go to their teams or they're on my team and I would never do it. But their coach would be like, Hey, why are you running around doing this? I want you to stay in front of the net. I want you to do that. And yet, it, that same coach could have said, Hey, go watch an NHL because that, that's what they think they should be doing. And so um, what kind of advice would you have for youth hockey players out there? Um, a step further than, Hey, go watch hockey. Cause I think that's the biggest thing and it, it gets lost. And nowadays yeah, ask kids on the ice. I ask them every time who watched the wild game last night and the, they're like, I don't watch hockey. I don't watch hockey. So I, I think that is missing. Um, but what other advice would you give to a, a youth hockey player?
3: Yeah. Um, I think there's, I mean, advice is tough because it, there's always so many questions that go with it, but it's like, find your why. Like, I know it's hard to say like to an eight year old, like, why do you play? Well, I want to. Okay, great. But you like yeah, a 12 year old, like, why do you play? Like, would you, you come to the rink every night and it's like, it's like, why are we coming to the rink? Why are we having fun? Well, it's, I want to do it because I have fun. I love the game. Okay, what do we love about the game? And you have to understand about, like, what the game means to them. Like, they need to take ownership. And and this is, a like, big thing with development in general. But, like, take ownership in your development. Like, no one's here. We're here to help you. We're here to guide you into what you want to do. But at the end of the day, like, you have to put in the work and you have to do the little things. So, for a youth hockey player, it's just, like, you have to experiment and you have to just take risks you know, and what I mean by taking a risk is like, go for that rush that your coach always says, like, don't rush the puck. Don't do this. Like if, if our coaches at youth hockey levels, don't let us make mistakes, how are we going to get better? How are we going to see that? Like what, what works and what doesn't work? You know? And and it's, it's, that's a frustrating thing. I think there's too much power um, with coaches and power is not the right word. It's, it's like, they're too like focused. I watch a lot of youth hockey practices around the rink and it's like, they do breakouts. So you're blue in the face. Like, okay, I get it. You can carp, you know, you can make it smaller and do yeah. this, but it's like, they, they focus on what they think is right versus just develop the kid, let them get better. And, and big thing for me. And I'll give you an example. It's, it's, um, I was told this a long time ago by an NHL coach, cause we were on the ice doing a camp together and there was, there was kids and I was a young coach and there was kids in the line, flicking pucks and stick handling while the drill was going on. And I would turn around again, young coach. And I'm like, guys, stop, like pay attention to what's going on. And like every time they flick the pocket shot at whatever. And I'd say the same thing. This coach came up to me and he said, why'd you tell them that? And I said, well, they're not paying attention to what's going on. He goes, they're just developing. And I'm like, what? He goes, are they interfering with the drill? And I'm like, no. I'm like, okay. Are they causing a disruption? And I'm like, I guess not. I go as long as they're ready to go when they're up there. He goes, yeah. What's it matter? He goes, because kids can't flip pucks anymore. Like think about like an old NHL flip, like back yeah. in the day, just like hit it to the ceiling and let it drop. Like, but those, that's what kids are doing against the boards. And we're, we're yeah. taking away that ability to go. So when I was working um, in Walpole, a friend of mine, Dana Borges, he's at Colgate. He would, um, he was our youth director and he would go watch practices and he would just take one kid. So if he took you heater and he'd put a stopwatch on you. So every time you touched the puck, he hit the stopwatch and the average kid at practice had the puck on a stick for like five minutes, 50 minute. Yeah. I said, you got the puck for five minutes. not that's enough. Crazy.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's a big problem. Yeah, I think right that kind of brought up a story. Uh, I actually, so I got to play for JP Parisi, um, before he passed away, uh, in junior hockey and he, he, he did something to me. He did a couple of things that were awesome, like life-changing. Um, one, one was kind of what you're just talking about, where I was kind of that that kid in line that I would just like flick pucks around and, and kind of and pass them around or, or whatever. And he came up to me once. He's like, Hater, what are you doing? I'm like, sorry, Coach. Like, I know I shouldn't be messing around in line. He's like, no, no, no. You need to aim for a puck. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, let me show you. And he, he took a puck from me. Uh, and he's like, you need to aim for something. And he, he passed it. He did what I did, but he did it with a purpose. He's like, I'm going to hit this puck. I'm going to hit that puck. And, um, he would do that whole thing. And, uh, he would have a few kids like, Hey, all right, you, you two got pucks today, but you can't use your, your hands to pick them up. And like little things like that, where you, I mean, you lose that ability. And so it's, yeah, I would say that's huge advice where, I mean, there's a difference between like messing around and not, I mean, you do have right. to pay attention because you need to know what you want to do, but the art of like those little tiny things you can work on um, at any time, and that's right. the difference between like a pro practice and a a youth practice. Is a pro practice when they're messing around in line, it usually has a purpose to get better. Versus, you know, how do you filter that over into kids? So I I think that's great advice for sure.
3: Right, and, and I think a lot of it, like it, when we talk about development, I think what what I like to do, and I talked about analogy based stuff, but just especially at the youth level because you want to get them as uncomfortable as possible. And I, I still work on it with my pros and my college guys and major juniors, whatever. But think about this. When we teach stick handling and power skating, and I'm going to say we as all encompassing coaches, we have our pot our stick on our pocket and we're going up the ice. And what are we looking at? Keep your head up, right? We tell mm-hmm. you to keep your head up so you can see what's in front of you. So what are you looking at? The scoreboard, right? Mm-hmm. So which is, which is great because you learn to keep your head up with the puck on the stick. But what are the, what, how many times do we actually fly through the middle of the ice and we just look straight, right? So think about like even power skating. If, if I'm on the guy, if I'm on the right wall, I'm on the last line on the right wall, I want my guys skating down the ice and doing different power skating stuff, looking to their left. We've grew up our whole time looking down the ice. I don't need to look to the right because the glass is right there. If I'm skating without the puck, that means the guy in the middle has it or the guy in the left lane has it. And I want to see where the play is developing so I can go. So I'm skating and I'm looking to the middle of the ice. If yeah. I'm on the right side, left side, I'm looking to the right. So when I do my stick handling drills, if you're the guy in the middle line, you're looking to your left, you're looking off to your right. And I ask him, I'm like, what you know, the guy that was next to you is your righty or lefty? Well, I don't know. What are you looking at? Yeah. Right? So it's just, mm-hmm. but it's just teaching yeah. them to get, get outside because if you enter with the puck, and you just learned to like skate straight and go with your head up. Yeah, sure. I was looking at the defenseman. But can you skate and look for help at the same time? You know, and there's yeah. guys that 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 you look at that goal this year that happened with uh, with McDavid. That was just ridiculous, right? He goes in, slows his speed down. It was against Toronto. He kind of looks up to the middle, looks over his shoulder for help. Toronto defenseman bites and slows down. He changes gears, goes in and scores. But it's like those are things that that our guys aren't, that guys aren't comfortable doing. Right. They're, they're not, they're just so comfortable doing things one way and just turning and looking like Patrick Kane's elite. He's one of the best players in the world, but it's because he can look off every play that's going on. And, and you know, when he, he's looking to the middle of the ice and you're defending him, you're like, who's, who's open. It's the first thing you think of, like who's open around me. Cause he's going to, he's going to thread that needle and he's just having like yeah. cat posted. So it's little things like that to help kids get out of their comfort zone to get better. It makes a huge difference
1: for sure. Yeah, I think that's great advice for well players and coaches and let's dive deeper into the coaching. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of our audience and listeners are, are coaches. What are, what are you maybe specifically doing even beyond what you were just talking about with with like the junior teams or, or your college team to really going back when what were talking about touching on like encouraging creativity in those players. I mean you're talking a lot, a lot about details and little things, which I think is fantastic advice, like the power skating, the, the head turn and stuff. But how are you encouraging creativity with your players, and then also for like a youth hockey coach, um, some advice on 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 maybe like allowing coaches to let those players be in that position where they're uncomfortable and failing?
3: Yeah, yeah, um, I think the the creativity sparks from uh, letting them think for themselves. And a lot of us, and, and I used to do this. I'm not saying I, I never did. And there's a lot of coaches that are out there. Okay. I want you to take the puck and I want you to do this. And I want you to go down. I want you to jab step and come back and cut, attack the net and shoot. Great. So when, when we teach, there's, there's a, there's a thing, there's a, what, what are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. Okay. Why are we going to do it? Okay. We're going to do it because if I come down here, this might take away my option. I have to come back and do whatever. Okay. When, when can we operate? When can we do this? And then the most important thing is how. So it's like teaching all the different steps. But that creativity piece is like the game happens so quickly. So when we do zone entries when we do all that stuff, like it's, it's working through different things. So if I have a kid one-on-one, I like go private lesson. When we do rushes or we do plays out of the corner, I try to like defend him. You know, because there's no, I talk about having no set patterns. We'll develop a skill set within you. But if you can't think for yourself, like how is, how is it going to work? So I try to disrupt the play. I try to cut them off. I try to pin them. I try to pin like knock the puck away. And it's like, well, what happened? And then I'll stop the play. But what happened? Well, you got the puck. Okay. Why did I get the puck? Well, my hands were in a bad position. Or I let you get inside body position. Or I let you do this. Like let them answer it for you. You know, too many times we blow it dead, especially as a coach. And I see a lot of youth coaches, they blow the whistle. I'm like, oh, how many times do I have to tell you not to do this? Mm-hmm. All right, but why? Tell them why they can't do it or why they shouldn't yeah. do it. Like you cut to the middle because you're going to lose the puck and turn it over. I would rather say like, hey, listen, I get what you're trying to do. But if you cut to the middle in this situation, that D is going to step and hit you. Right. Or if you do this, so it's teaching them, you can do this. Here's your, you know. Here's what's going to happen. Risk versus reward. There's a huge reward if you pull it off. There's also a risk with it, you know. And it's it's letting players develop into their own their own player. Like, and, and yeah, I, I think don't. that we we as as coaches we like, you know, it's the we claim players. I don't like talking about players in particularly because it's like I don't like to claim a player. I, I'm not the reason X did this. They're the reason they did it, you know. And and if a kid texts me and says, hey. Um, I had a kid text me last week He made the U S national team. And, um, he said, I really want to thank you for the work that we've put in together. And I said, listen, I said, I, that's really, I, I appreciate that so much. I said, but you have to understand how good you are. And you have to understand that I just helped like, I'm your guiding stick. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to do things with you, but your ability and your ability to play and think the game, you did it. I'm just along for the journey. You know what I mean? I think that's, what's important to understand is that. Kids rely on, you know, guys like ourselves to make them, yeah, we make them better. We help them within the game. You know, we, we want them to play as long as they can. But a lot of kids don't believe in how good they really are. And yeah. that's, that's development. Like a, the mindset yeah. of that, what's the biggest joke we always joke around about? Look good, feel good, play good.
0: Right? All the time.
3: But that's, how true is that? if you feel good yeah. going into a hockey rink or a hockey game, you're going to kill it. it doesn't matter. Right. right. So it's like my job as a development coach is to make you feel good about yourself when you're in your skates.
1: Yeah. That and, confidence is huge. Goes oh, okay. so far. So
0: much. Yeah. Especially like, like if you think about, like you started the whole conversation today with relationships and that, that's a perfect example where you have this kid who just made the national, the national program. And he's, he's reaching out to thank you for helping him get there. And you're like, no, that's you. So now this kid has even more confidence than he probably already had, because he's obviously a decent hockey player. And so that just goes into to what you talked about, like it is a relationship thing. And if that is there, then you're going to be able to, you know, take kids skill from A to Z or wherever you need it to go or wherever they need it to go to wherever they want to do. But yeah, I could. I mean, I could sit here and ask you questions all day, and, and fortunately, fortunately enough, I, I get to do that. And, uh, just knowing you on a personal level, but one thing that we like to do is bring in some guest questions, uh, okay. and so we're gonna we're gonna roll through. We're gonna try to get through three of them. Um, sure. And the the first one here is from at Logan D'Oper training. It's a it's an interesting one, and I kind of just want to see your take on it and see see what we can come up with, but. He asked, what are some things you can do to help improve an infant's hockey skills? Any games, outside-the-box things, chores that can improve hockey skills without them knowing them that they're doing drills um, or working on their skills? <laughs> I, lo- I love that question. Like, how do you trick kids into getting better at a young age? And so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I
3: love it. I think it's unbelievable. And, and you know what it is? It's like, one, it's, it's having fun with it, too. Um, but just getting them... Like, the biggest thing for a young kid is fear. Like, my daughter, for example, she's afraid to fall. She's afraid to screw up. She's afraid to let a goal in, whatever the, the situation may be. So it's it's taking away their fear. And I do one that the kids, like, love, and, and it turns in. So when you look at a youth hockey game, so I'll go NHL hockey game, 64% of the game is played on the wall. A youth hockey game is probably, like, 80 something and at might games like a hundred percent of the time the puck slapped against the wall and do whatever. So you watch, you, you talk about kids getting better, but get them uncomfortable mm-hmm. doing stuff. So those black pads, every rink has, you know, those black bumper pads, I yeah. would put a puck to start. I would put a puck on like the near side and have two little kids like race for it because what's the worst that's going to happen. They fall over the bumper pad, right? And they like mm-hmm. think it's funny and they get up and they do it again. But I'm teaching them to race for a puck, stop, Battle for that puck right there and then try to go score a goal. And yeah. everyone's, like, oh, it's, it's easy. Well, yeah, it's skating, it's accelerating, it's stopping, it's a board battle, right? And then it's trying to compete and score a goal. So now, after a bit, I'm going to put the puck on the other side of that pad and they're going to have to jump over the pad and then stop and hit mm-hmm. their brakes and battle and bump into each other and then try to score a goal. But what, all that's teaching them is to be confident going into the boards. Because yeah. now they're going to be confident hitting their edges, confident going faster, doing all that stuff. And, and especially infants, anything they can do to like, who, like I use hula hoops, like just have them start in their belly, throw a hula hoop out, let them go, let them run and, and try to get it and skate. And, and just having those little, little games within games that think they're getting better because that's, that's what it is. It's, if, they don't, if they don't love the game and love to do it, it's not going to go well for them you know? So it's just like little habits that they can yeah. just go tennis ball, hockey on the ice and just things that are just outside the box. that can just get them to smile and laugh and they'll want to go back. And that's all, that's all we want for our youth kids. want to go back.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. And if they're having fun doing it, then they're, I mean, they're learning without even realizing it. You touched on one little thing there that I, I, I want to focus in on a little bit is, um, you know, the game that's changed over the last you know decade or so and with uh, in in the US the the contact hockey getting older and older yeah. um one piece that I think that's been lost at least at a lot of areas in the country at the youth level is that ability uh to do exactly what you were just saying where you you position kids you put them in a position where they're they're having to bump and grind and and learn how to be strong on their edges and how to like take a hit without even realizing they're learning how to take a hit um because if if a coach waits until they get to you know, be 14 to learn how to take a hit. I mean, they're, they're in trouble. Right. But like I I see it at the grassroots level around the country where there's less and less emphasis. There's more on like just skill without any contact. And you really need to have both in my opinion. So I think like that, that drill you just laid out is perfect for any age level where these kids need to learn what it feels like, you know, bumping and grinding and banging into each other. And, you know, crazy parents need to see that too. And feel like even that though the kids eight or nine, like, they've got to be able to take a little bit of contact out there.
3: Right. I love and I think that that's the most important thing. They should learn. I think we should be teaching contact at like 10 years old. Right. Okay. Just, just how to take it because I, I watched this, I watched a checking clinic a couple months ago and a coach was teaching and nothing against the coach, but he was teaching like, all right, when that check comes, I want you to get a low base. I want you to get ready. And when he goes to hit you, I want you to lean into him and like be ready for that contact. And I asked him after, I said, you know, let me ask you a question. Cause so I was kind of like overseeing the whole thing. And I was like, when you taught him that, like, what are you teaching him? He's like, well, I want him to keep his feet movement at the same time. I want him to like take that contact. And and I said on the boards. And I said, okay, I said, if this coach, like if this player, if two things hit each other, they bounce off each other. Right. So if the kid on the boards braces for contact, And he leans into the other kid. He's going to get hit, and they're going to bounce away from each other. So now, the first thing that's going to go into into the boards is his head. So now, now we're talking about a ten year old, twelve year old, fourteen year old kid that's getting hit. His head's the first thing that hits the glass. Head, shoulder, that's it. Instead Mm -hmm. of like moving our feet and then knowing that hits coming as we're moving our feet and going with the contact. And now I'm going. That kid's going to check me. I'm going with him. And I'm going up into the boards, and I'm continuing my momentum. I'm embracing for that check, and I'm not scared to take it. I'm not doing anything. It's like Emilio Estevez teaching the kids how to catch an egg, right? But it's like I want to go with the check so I can keep my momentum yeah. and not get hit. You know?
1: Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that's a it's a it's almost becoming a lost skill at some of those younger ages. When the kids that can grab onto that, or the coaches that are able to kind of translate that concept. To some of the younger players. I mean, all of a sudden those kids become slippery and, and one, they're not getting hurt as much, but two, they become slippery and they get, they can, you know, play through a con play through a hit at whatever level, which is, you know, that's all of a sudden they're competing, you know, it helps them compete against the boards and, and move on. It's huge, huge. I agree. Uh, let's dive back into the mailbag. We got another question from a listener at Eric Ordahl, What are the skills? So what are the skills that you consider to be the most important skills for a player to have away from the puck?
3: Um, that's a, that's an awesome question away from the puck. Cause it's like, yeah, play, that's a, I think it's a, a, a good coach or a, a good term for a coach like, Oh, you got to be better away from the puck. But I think um, you got to be able to, to read the play. So understanding where the puck is flowing, understanding where the game's going. So, you can read a lot of hockey by seeing, like, how toes are going, like, which way toes are going, which way the play is going, so I can read and make a decision. I think communication away from the puck is the biggest thing um, for, for any player is is why, why not talk to someone. Like, if I'm back-checking, for example, I'm away from the puck, correct? So – You know that the my defenseman's taking a one on one rush, and if I'm not communicating with him, and if I'm not looking around and seeing the scenario that's building up around it, you know, it it, nothing, not a lot's gonna good, not a lot of goods gonna come from it. So like telling him like, hey, you can step, I got you, or you know, I got this third guy, or seeing it, or just calling like, hey, watch out for that guy going back there. And I think kids don't communicate enough. Um, Another off the puck skill that's important is just being. Being prepared. Um, you know, when when kids are when kids have their stick up in the air, you see it more in the NHL because it's just the way they're just I call that neutral. They're in a neutral position. And I think it's great because they're so skilled and they have the ability to do it. I think with the youth guys, just being prepared with their stick on the ice, because pucks come quickly, so you're gonna be able to transition more quickly. You know, the more confident you get with that, you can bring that stick back up in the air. Um, but I just think things away from the puck, the most important thing is communication, honestly.
0: Because
3: you learn to talk to each other. You learn to see things. And then as you get older, you get to learn to read. Like if your defenseman's going back for a puck and his toes are going to the right, like you can read off that low and slow to come through to help for a support pass. But that's a really hard question. I think it's really hard to answer because it's so different. Like every play can be a different scenario for being away from the puck. And I really appreciate that question. So I want to dig deeper into that question on my own. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll message the podcast with a better answer. Yeah.
0: Well, our friend, I mean, the plan is to have you on again. So that, that can be a, a second where we just dive into skills away from the puck. But I mean, even if you take away the idea of like communicating and I had a coach tell me once that it's not, it's not just talking like you need to educate. And so it's not just yelling and screaming. It's, it's whatever you said, did you educate the person that you were trying to, to talk to? And then. The second thing is just your stick on the ice is big too because, I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to talk to Tim Jackman uh, the other day and he just told us a story that he had heard that Yager would do a whole practice where his stick would not come off the ice once. Like he would just leave it on the ice every single time because just that's how important it is because that's where the puck is. And yep. um, if you don't have the puck, then you're not going to win very many games. And so those are, I mean, those are two huge takeaways. But yeah, I would love to dive into to just playing away from the puck and, and how you can. Per- progress and things like that and so final final question um and you've been fortunate enough to I mean you have your daughter that plays youth hockey all the way up to you work with guys that that play in the NHL and so what what do you think the top attributes that separate a player that gets drafted slash goes to the NHL versus one that doesn't make it
3: um man I think there's two major characteristics and I think one's the ability to be humble you know, not, not take it for granted where you are in the position you're in. And I think character has a lot to do with it. Um, and keeping your, the best guys in the world that what they do can keep their emotions and their feelings in check. And, uh, and a lot of this has to, it can go so many different ways, but you look at guys that, that want it and I think what's great and I'll dive into the COVID-19, like what's going on with this coronavirus, but when I grew up and when we grew up, rink accessibility wasn't there. So it was like, if we had ice, it was like the golden ticket. Right. So now, and, and kids our age can like, oh, I'm just going to go to the rink and skate. It's like, a, it's a thing. It's, it's what they do. Right? right. So now it's like that appreciation of like, wow, ice is precious. Like that's, you know, it's Willy Wonka's factory, you know, not to be like a kid, yeah. but that's, but being able to go there and master your craft and do it. And, and those guys that are humble, they, they don't, they, they take care of themselves. They take care of their body. They, they love the grind per se, you know, they love doing it and those are the guys that always have longevity and what they want to do. And the character piece is, is a lot, has so many different levels of it. You know, it's, they're yeah. humble. They want to, they want to give back. They want to get better. They want to, they want to be a part of, of something bigger than them. And I think those are the guys that have the most success and, it's hard because there's so many different like and we'll dive in this on another another podcast like I had so many outside influences going on while I played, I just didn't like I just got so tied up and my my performance just dropped, you know, and it's just that's mm-hmm. a lot of that's like well so and so you know so and so had a terrible season, okay, well, he, he probably performed poorly, I thought he played pretty well, but you know, his mother was sick. Is is you know, his sister had a problem. Is yeah. what you know, we don't like. We just judge people by their performance. We don't judge mm-hmm. people as human beings, and we find out the real story on what happened. Like, oh, you know, I feel bad for so and so. It's like that's we all go through life with our our bumps, but it's how we handle them, and it's how we how we believe and how we strive to get better. Or how we, you know, that story is not going to be me. That's that's the kind of that's the guy I love to train and love to be with because we can all be content with being average. Right. But everyone's good. There's not, you can say this over and over. There's a billion good hockey players out there. What's going to make you a great hockey player? Like what's going to make you, how do you fit the guys that stick in the NHL or guys are fine ways to stick in the NHL. You might've scored 70 goals in major junior. You might score 10 in the NHL. Right. So how do you find your way to stay there and be a, be a constant?
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome advice. I mean, that's, that's, your, your your quick answer to that question was not what I expected when you're talking about being humble and, and character, but it's so true. I think that's a, it's a, a big lesson for a lot of up and coming players to, to learn from, not just in hockey, but probably in, in anything outside of the rink as well. But I think that's a good that's a good uh, point to wrap this up. I think you've you've opened the door to a lot more questions for the next time we come in, and a lot more topics we can really dive into and get your thoughts on a little deeper next time. So with that. We will, we'll, we'll, put a bow on this episode, but let's get your final thoughts. Any other last messages you want to leave out there for any of the, the players or coaches or parents listening?
3: Um, I think for more for, for coaches and parents, if, you know, for those listening, it's let the kids be kids. And I think that's the most important thing. Love them, support them. Um, but it's, it's their journey. It's, it's not ours anymore, you know? So if, They want to train. They're going to train. If they if they want to go to the rink, they're going to want to go to the rink. And and as coaches, uh, be empathetic. uh, Understand what our kids go through on a day to day. uh, Ask questions. Be there for them. Support them. You know, you'll get so much more out of a player when you understand where they're coming from because we all have really bad days. We all have really good days. So the kid you're yelling at because he's not paying attention during the drill. He didn't know that he just flunked his test or he just his girlfriend just broke up with him in the dorms or whatever. So like be a human, you know, I think that that being a human and being a person first and being a mom and being a dad first is going to be more important than pushing your kid to do 700 more shots or 50 more push-ups or do whatever, you know, it's, it's, I think that's the most important message I can
0: give. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Um, before we get our, let's go from you, let's talk about a few things that you're into. Um, we, we, we talk about gel sticks a lot in here because I, obviously we're fans and we support, but, uh, do you kind of want to give people a, a little taste of what gel sticks is and, and maybe like a way you, you use them?
3: Yeah, of course. So, you know, gel sticks, we, we created, uh, almost two years ago and it's, um, for the hockey market, we, we created a, a stick that's two and a half times the way it's normal weight. It's created with a polymer gel. Um, it stays with your, your patterns, your, your flexes, 77 flex P28, we got it, you know? And, and I think what's important for this is that players have uh, so let's just say you're using a, a, a Bauer P28 77 flex and there, there's a technology in that 300 stick, $300 stick you just bought, right? And it, it's in the kick points in the flex points. And a lot of our kids aren't strong enough yet to, to use them. So by using our stick, it forces you to work. I always tell people all the time, if you don't like to work hard, you're not going to like our stick because it's taxing on your arm. It's taxing on the body, but it teaches you to flex. It teaches you to snap through that bottom hand. And and now when you go back to your other stick, you're learning how to use those flex points and you're letting the stick do the work. You don't have to put all your body weight into it anymore. Like the old days when there was no such thing as flex, you just, now you just snap down through your bottom hand and the puck takes off, but it's just a, it's just a way to teach kids to, to be stronger on their sticks, to teach kids to get pucks off quicker. And, you know, we're, we're not, we're not reinventing the wheel. People have been putting weights on sticks for 50 years, taping pucks to the bottom of the blaze or putting lead on it. Now we're just, it's even weight. So it's not going to throw you off. It's not going to do anything different. And, and we don't like, a, we have a lot of guys in the NHL using it. We have 63 NCAA hockey teams using it between the men's and the women's. It, it, it works. It's not a gimmick. You know, there's so many different ways to use it. I love using it for defensemen because what's important when you're taking a rush is stick on puck, right? When what's in, what's important when you're defending out of the corner is stick on puck. So if you're a defenseman and, and you you're taking rushes or you're doing corner work, like grab a gel stick and just that top hand strength is crucial because you want to be as strong as you can and diligent as you can get that stick on puck and winning those stick battles.
0: And it's a, I mean, I I've been using them uh, since I found out about them and. I, I never go to a skill session without them and I never go to sell them. But every time I leave, someone asks, where can I get one? And so they're, they're the real deal. Uh, so make sure you go and check them out. But one, one last thing I want to talk about is kind of a fundraiser that you're doing with your love and hockey. Um, and the idea, you're just trying to raise some money to, to help some people out that don't have it as good as, or don't have as, as easy, I guess, during this time of crisis. You want to, you want to jump on that a little bit?
3: Yeah. So, so I decided just to do hats and t-shirts for my 11 hockey company. And, um, I'll tell you where it came from. I have a lot of friends that are, that are police officers in Boston, uh, paramedics. Um, my mom was a nurse before she passed away for 42 years and like healthcare workers are so, it's always been a part of my life. Like my niece is going training to be one and going to school to be a nurse. And it's just like, it's always been a part of us, a part of me and just to go, just even to saw, to see what my mother went through all that time ago. And, but what they're going through now, it's scary. It's they're they're away from their families. They're separated. Their husbands or wives might be laid off there. There's so many different things and even the grocery store workers and, and that stuff, it's just, yeah, it, it's scary out there, man. So, and it, it may not raise $10,000, but if we can raise a couple of thousand bucks to, to give to the frontline workers of, of, Pittsburgh or Boston or Minnesota, wherever. Like we just want to chip in as much as we can and, and help out. It's, it's a, uh, it's a near and dear thing. It's scary times out there. So, you know, players, I know you're itching to get back on the ice. Just, just be patient. And
0: yeah. Yeah. That's good them. advice, especially for now, but yeah, go check that out at 11 hockey 11 on Instagram and then www.11hockey.com. Uh, again, just trying to do coach here is just trying to do his part. So we appreciate that and we'll help in any way we can, but before we go, we, we always need a big uh let 's go to to kind of close out the podcast. What do you got for us coach got, let's
3: go <laughs> uh,
0: love it love it thank you coach we We appreciate your time thanks for coming on uh, thank
3: you guys for having me. This is awesome
0: yes yes yes, yes, thank you, thank you, coach. We appreciate you coming on uh john lounsbury he's he could talk forever, and honestly, I would listen forever just because of the way. Uh, that he thinks the game and the people he's been around and the contacts he has, like, he's not just talking out of nowhere. He He's either heard it or he's learned about it or he's researched it or he's learned from experience. And so coach, we just appreciate you having on. We, we look forward to having you on again. Uh, and as usual, per usual, we do our, our three stars of the night, our big three takeaways. And so camera, I'm going to hand it to you for
1: third and second star. Yeah, I think there's a lot of takeaways on this one, but, Narrowing it down to just three, like I said, kind of tough, but third star tonight, I'm going to go right away into a smaller little piece that me as a coach is kind of interesting to hear, hear someone say, uh, is the concept of when he he talked about the players, like flipping pucks in line. Now, I think most coaches out there would, would right away go to the, the answer of you know, pay attention, but, but looking at that, if it's being done with a purpose where it's not messing up the drills and it, it's those players working on their hand-eye coordination, their, their stick handling skills and developing. So kind of an interesting take on that. And I think it, it could be a little polarizing out there, but I thought it was an interesting take. Uh, second star, this one was uh, kind of went, was threaded throughout the the interview, but when he talks about the why and explaining the why to the players, and I'll tell you why I think this is a really important part, like maybe the most important point from this episode or one of them, at least, um, as a coach, not only when you explain the why to the players, you get buy-in, right? The players are more adept or, or more adept to, to say yes and, and understand why they're doing something. They're going to, they're going to say, I'm going to go do that. Okay. I, I get it. But beyond that, you know, at the beginning of the talk, he taught, he, he mentioned how the players that succeed at the higher and higher levels are the players that can think the game. But how do you think that players get to understand and think the game? It doesn't, like some, the prodigies just get it, right? But one of the biggest reasons is a coach can help them grow their hockey IQ and their, their understanding of the game at higher levels is by explaining the why and why we're doing things and explaining the bigger picture. Um, so I think that was huge. And it tied into a couple of the different points of what he does for his development all the way through. So finding the why and explaining the why to your parents is my second star tonight. How about you, Heater? What's the first star?
0: Number one star of the night. Um, and that, it kind of builds off the why and, and just the idea, you talked a lot about building confidence by removing fear and, he, and fear was threaded throughout this, this entire interview and all the way from NHL guys down to the infants and the advice he gave on that. But the idea of just building confidence in kids, and, and if you do blow, blow a drill down, it's not, hey, get back in line and try that again. It's getting them to a spot where you you want an outcome. Like if the kids, you talked about kids cutting to the middle of the ice, and there's just different ways to approach that situation to, one, get the outcome that you want uh, that's going to make a better player, and then, two, ultimately build more confidence in that kid because now that player cutting through the middle of the ice understands, hey, I've got two or three options here or, or – I'm going to get ran over if I do this again or things like that. And so that confidence piece, and then he even brought it into when he talked about power skating and stick handling, where a lot of times it's okay. Power skating. I want you to stare at the clock at the end of the rink. And a lot of times you're skating up the ice. You're not staring up the, uh, at the scoreboard or down, down the rink here, you're, you're looking for somebody. And so why not incorporate that into that drill where, okay, we're going to work on, stride development or edge work or blah, blah, blah. But you're going to be looking to the left because you're on the right wall or you're going to be looking to the right cause you're on the left wall. And so I love that idea. And it's, it's those little tiny, um, details that allow confidence to build up in these kids. And so that was my, my first star. It was a good one. Um, again, Lounsey, we just appreciate you coming on. Make sure you go to 11 hockey. So one, hockey.com and check out those shirts and hats. They're sweet. Um, I'm going to pick one up and and do my part for sure. Hopefully the hat's big enough. I've got a pretty big head, but we'll see. Uh, but definitely go, go and check that out. Um, he's also on Instagram 11 E L E V E N hockey one, one, um, on Instagram. So check it out. He's doing awesome stuff. And so I guess if it doesn't fit my head, it'll be, it'll look nice on the, on the shelf. So coach, what do you, what do you got for us? Big head over there. Big head. Um, it's me. Yeah. No, I think that's my, that was my nickname. That was my nickname in middle school, big head. And I'm a little self self self-conscious about it still. So thanks for calling me that
1: still growing into it. All right. Well, one of these days, (laughs) um, uh, no, I think that's it for, this was a great episode. It was was awesome talking to, to John. I'd love to, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to really dive in with him on some of the specifics of some of his development, uh, techniques. Uh, so the next time we talk with him, we'll really get to dive into like one or two real specific topics on that I'm, I'm curious to tap into what he's he's thinking but with that um you know if you're enjoying this podcast tell your friends tell your family tell your teammates give us a like and a review subscribe to make sure you don't miss any new episodes and as always too as you heard at the end of the episode we're asking questions to the guests so feel free to shoot us a dm or ask questions in the comments for our upcoming guests and we'll ask those to our coming uh, to the people that come on and keep this thing rolling so i think that's all i got for today
0: that's it let's go let's go all right what is
2: up let's go hockey podcast listeners this is producer vinny just here to wrap up the show with you huge thank you to john lounsbury for coming out and talking to us thank you so much to lounge to find out more about john and find him on social media. Make sure you scroll down and find him at all of the links that we have below in the description, 11 hockey and gel sticks. As usual, we wanna make sure we thank our sponsors. Go check out hockeywolf.com for all things hockey and lacrosse, and do not forget, if you have team sales needs, all of you organizational leaders and coaches out there, go visit hockeywolf.com. Thank you guys so much at Hockey Wolf for sponsoring us. And our other sponsor, gel stick sports. This is much easier for me because John and Heater just spent five minutes talking up Gel Sticks, but make sure you head over to Gel sticks. that's G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Get the best weighted training aids in the game, hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They've got it all. And we've teamed up with them to give you 20% off your order at gelsticks.com. Use promo code Let's go. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. 20% off and begin to train different today. All right, everybody. That's it for us this week. If you love what you've been listening to, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review. We love to know you're out there and we'll see you next time.